and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say Amen? At your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edifying. I thank God, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be base, but in understanding be mature. In the Lord it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all, all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, the tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and they're coming, those who are uninformed or unbelievers, Will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all, by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Wow. We need some bread. Heavenly Father, we just say thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we come now and uh, we just want to, we want to hear your voice. We ask you to instruct us this morning, Lord, about this beautiful gift, this heavenly gift, the gift of tongues, Lord. Lord, we want to say thank you for the gifts that you bestowed upon us, Lord. We know we don't deserve any, but we know that, Lord, you have chosen to bestow these gifts upon us by your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we just pray that you'll confirm this this morning. Lord, by bestowing this gift upon people in this place, as well as just getting to grips, Lord, with your instructions for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, body language. Today, again, like I said, we're talking about the gift of tongues. Next week, we're going to focus on the gift of prophecy, because 1 Corinthians 14 speaks about these two gifts, all right, which were prominent in the church of Corinth. And we've spoken about this over the weeks. You can read between the lines when you read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and you can identify a number of issues within the church. But the interesting thing is, although they were making many mistakes, Paul never stops them or discourages them from seeking the spiritual gifts. In fact, he encourages them to desire the spiritual gifts earnestly, eagerly, with all your heart. So there were mistakes being made. But Paul was going to bring some correction inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he would, he would bring some correction into that church. But also, he encouraged them to keep seeking after this. But I want you to notice, as we said last week, it was important to establish the foundation first. 1 Corinthians 13 is there for a purpose. It's the foundation for all that he's going to explain in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Corinthians 12, really. When he talks about the gifts, he says, pursue love. Some versions say eagerly desire love or desire love. And then he talks about the spiritual gifts. And we've kind of talked about this and uh, about the motives. What are the motives? Why are we seeking these things from the Lord? Well, as you read through this chapter, you'll, you'll, you, you can see that there were 
lots of stuff going on within this particular church. And you know, just recently, um, I went to the market at Bridgenorth. You went to the market at Bridgenorth, yeah? And it was towards the end of the afternoon, right? And uh, you know when, when the prices are going to drop, you know, and they're going to be desperate to sell things, aren't they? And you've got one, oh, we're going to get you three steaks for a ten, three steaks for a ten. And somebody else is, you know, come on, get your pack of peaches, your pack of peaches, your pack of peaches. Bunch of peaches. <laughs> Pentecostal 
uh, scholar Robert W. Graves, he says tongues are structured, articulate speech. Structured, articulate speech. However, they are supernaturally imparted. It is a language that you've never learned. Okay? So Portuguese, sorry, I learned Portuguese, but it doesn't count as tongues, alright? Necessarily in this sense, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Amen. Paul describes it as mysteries that are spoken in the Spirit. Just to give you an example, the reason I say that it is articulate speech, it is structured and articulate speech, is because in Brazil we used to have um, some, some sisters, they were wonderful sisters, but they had this, they had this idea that tongues was, was, um, was this. Well, they were amazed at what they were seeing and what they were experiencing. 
Another thing I would say is that it could well be that these are the tongues of angels. Why would I say that this morning? Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. It's not conclusive, but it could well be that when we're speaking in mysteries, when we're speaking in this tongue, it is a heavenly language that angels use. I cannot prove that from the scripture. Amen. But he does say, though I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. The other thing that we need to know this morning is, is that it is directed towards God. Verse 2. Let's go back into verse 2. What does he say? For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So his tongues are directing towards God. What does that look like? Let's look at verse 15. We're shooting around the text here. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who, wants, who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. And so we can see through these three verses here, we can see that prayer, it can be prayer, prayer, do you get that? You pray in the spirit, it can be singing, we've heard people sing in the spirit, bless the Lord, blessing and giving thanks to the Lord, verses 16 and 17. So I want to suggest to you the primary purpose here, we'll talk about the purpose in a bit, but the primary function, sorry, is, is that number one is vertical. It's you speaking mysteries to God. I remember some years ago that there was a, we were in a house group and a young man came in and he was possessed and he fell on the floor and I remember we didn't know what to do. So we just started screaming at him in tongues. <laughs> and beyond nothing happened until somebody took the, you know, took authority and cast it out. Anyway. And so that's the first thing that we need to understand, that it is God, it is, it's God, it's speaking to God in prayer, singing, blessing, giving thanks to the Lord. Amen. So, this appears to be what was happening on the day of Pentecost as well. Because again, if we read the text, it says, Acts chapter 2 verse 10, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works, the great things of God. So it may be, you know, as they were there, maybe they were proclaiming psalms, but they were speaking in, 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 in this other language they've not learned. They were just declaring the wonders of God. And these, the miracle was the fact that these people were listening to them in their own languages. Wow, that's awesome. But what about the suggestion? Because you'll need some Pentecostals, and I've got to be honest with you, I've had, I've had to, my understanding of tongues and, and the gifts of the Spirit has changed over the years. And that's through personal experiences and through some study as well. There are those that would suggest, and you'll see in some churches, and I indeed I've been in churches where you'll be in a worship service, for example, and there'll be a time of prayer and the Holy Spirit's moving, and then one person will say something out loud in tongues. And then another person will get the interpretation, or they will speak out an interpretation of that tongue. I think that's, that's wonderful. However, 
What usually happens is, as the person is speaking in tongues and the other person receives interpretation, very often the interpretation that they receive of that tongue is that way. Okay? It's horizontal and not vertical. Anybody, anybody experienced that? I've been in churches where that's happened as well. Okay, I'm not telling you that can't happen. All I'm suggesting is that scripturally speaking, we can see very clearly that that gift goes that way. You speak to God mysteries. Okay? And the interpretation, again we've seen how it's prayers, songs, you're blessing or giving thanks to God and somebody can say amen to that. Does everybody get that this morning? Amen. Alright? Very interesting. Very interesting. So, I, I actually, I did a little bit of research about that and asked other people what they think. Quite interestingly, the, the answers I got back. But one of the things that was suggested is what is actually happening is a person will give a, 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 a tongue, speaking tongues, out loud. And then the person that is speaking, interpreting this way, horizontally, mistakenly thinks they are interpreting the tongue, but actually they're prophesying. Guys, I'll leave that with you. Alright? I'll leave that with you. All I want you to understand is that from here, from, from what we've seen, it's quite clear that the person speaking his tongues is speaking that way. First. That way. Alright? We've seen what from the text, what that tongues, what tongues are. The other thing we need to learn, we can see, is that not all speak in tongues. I think that's evident this morning. Alright, it's very important to establish that, that tongues is not some kind of gift for the spiritual elite. Okay? And it seems that in the church of Corinth, and indeed in other churches as well, that the gift of tongues was, was kind of an identity marker of those who would really like made it. You know? Those, those who made it. You like that, yeah? Yeah, alright. Bless the Lord. Yes, so those who have made remember what we said at the beginning, it's, this is not like a progression, folks. You don't progress from the smaller gifts to the greater gifts, you know, as you become holier and more spiritual. Alright, but he does say, eagerly desire these greater gifts, they're greater in the sense that other people benefit more from them. That's the, the measure of their greatness in the kingdom, in the church. So not all speaking tongues, it speaks for itself. 1228, let's go back there again, what did he say? Of baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And so we're call, calling people forward, you know, to receive the gifts of the Spirit and to, and, and to, to receive the gift of tongues. And I remember standing there and I was praying with this guy and I knew this guy. And this guy was sincerely desiring the spiritual gifts. You know, loves the Lord, genuine conversion. I remember praying there and I'm prophet, I was praying in tongues as well. And I'm praying for this person and I'm almost like, if I could have ripped it out of the inside of him, I would have done, you know. Bit of in there. I was like, come on, I don't, I'm trying to pop you off press, I'm trying to press the belly to see Yes. And I was praying and I, as I was praying, he was becoming more and more frustrated and more and more frustrated. And, 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 and he began to weep. And, and I was like, you can stand up, you can speak, so open your mouth, say it, say it, say it. Go on, start to
building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Bless the Lord. So then it says, when you are on your knees and you're praying in tongues, okay, in your, in your, I don't know, your prayer closet or wherever you are, you are spiritually, you are building yourself up. You are edifying yourself. Okay? Which is great for you. But again, if you're in the public setting, much of what Paul is dealing with here is when the church gathers together, collectively. He's saying you might be building yourself up, but you're not building anyone else up because nobody else understands what you're on about. It's quite self-explanatory, really, isn't it? However, secondly, it's used for corporate edification. Corporate edification. What is saying, verse four. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. That the church may receive edification. So it's more personal edification without interpretation. However, it's good to ask for interpretation. But in the church setting, the church will be built up. When there is interpretation, the gift of interpretation in operation as well. Amen. Everybody's clear on that one. Personal edification, corporate edification with the gift of interpretation. That is the purpose of the gift. What about the function of the gift? The function of the gift. Well, we need to read on in the passage, verse 26. We'll read through to the end. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26 through to the end. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let, let all things be done for edification. That gives you a, a little insight into what it was like in the early church. Okay? If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Ladies, brace yourselves. Let your women keep silent in the church. <laughs> that was Paul. We'll talk about that next week. Give me a week to build up the courage. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. That is not necessarily what you think. But they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands. How for it is shameful for women to speak in church, mate. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, Therefore, brethren, desire.
desire earnestly to prophesy, do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Oh. <laughs> um, so, we've seen. How does Paul deal with this? Number one, I want you to see the principle, folks. God is a God of order. God is a God of order. Verse 33 again, it says, For God is not the author of confusion. That word can be translated confusion, disorder, even anarchy. God is not the God of the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. What's he saying? He says, the rule is for you, is the same rule that is in all the churches of the saints, all of his churches. <coughs> Earlier on in the letter as well, we talked about communion. Okay? Very important, because he's saying, this is how it works, this is how it is to work, here and everywhere else, in all the other churches of the saints. Praise God. So God is a God of order. Verse 40, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently and in order. We can see that Paul makes it very clear that two or three are to speak. Now remember talking about a public gathering here. He says, if people are going to speak in tongues, number one, there needs to be an interpreter present. Either they need to interpret or somebody needs to interpret. If there is an interpreter present, then two or three at the most, and each in turn. Each in turn will speak in tongues with the interpretation. Otherwise, be quiet. That implies, folks, that unlike the pagan tongues that they've seen in some of the pagan shrines, and temples in the city of Corinth and all across the Greco Roman world, where many of them were speaking with an ecstatic speech. It was like out of control. This implies that even though it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, we control the gift, the use of that gift. Do you understand? Two or three at the most, one at a time. And we'll see that it talks about prophecy in a similar way. We'll talk about it. So that means to, that means to say, folks, that we, we can't come and just you know, burst into tongues and then suddenly you have to be quiet. So I can't, I can't, you're quenching the spirit. I can't control this. But if you can't control this, where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? This, this folks, is the rule for all of our faith and our practice. Praise God. We are a Pentecostal church in our understanding. We believe that the gifts of the spirit are for today. We want to see you guys and ourselves moving more in these gifts. Because I believe that's what a healthy church needs to look like. But we also need to be led, need to be guided in our understanding of them by His word. Okay? Praise the Lord. Looking at me going out. That's good. And so it's not ecstatic in the, in the sense that it, can, it cannot be controlled. If tongues are used in a public gathering when there are no unbelievers present, no unbelievers present, they must be spoken with interpretation in so. In turn, and two or three at the most. I guess Paul is establishing that because, you know, there are loads of people just banging it out and taking over the whole meeting. It all becomes about the gift of tongues, remember, you know. Three slides of for 20 pounds! Who can shout loud? Now, who's the more spiritual in the, in the congregation and so on and so forth? Paul brings in this correction. 
Amen. Secondly, a difficult part of the scripture to understand. Let's read again. Verse 22 to 25. I'm coming to the end. Very well. Notice heart. Therefore, tongues. Now let's read from verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be matured. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet, for all that they will not, all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and they're coming, those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? You're a bunch of crazy people. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Okay, so the final point I want to bring out about tongues is that Paul says it's a sign for the unbeliever, which is, is, is extraordinary really because it seems to be contradicting what he's been saying, right? Okay, so in what sense is, is tongues a sign for the unbeliever? And he's actually discouraging the use uh, where there's unbelievers present. Because it is a sign of judgment. Suggesting it is a sign of judgment. Why? What do you mean? Look at the text that he, he refers to. Verse 21 he says, In the law is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they, all that they will not hear, hear me, says the Lord. He's referring back to Isaiah, chapter 28, more or less. And he's referring to the judgment that he was going to bring upon Israel. Because Israel have become so stubborn, even though it's spoken to them through, their, through the prophets in their own language, he said, well, the line's drawn, now the, the sign that you're going to get is a sign of judgment. You, the, the Assyrians are coming, you don't understand their language, and it's a sign that the line has been drawn. You've gone too far. Do you understand, folks? So applying that, what he's saying there to what he's saying about the Corinthian Christians, he says, don't be speaking in tongues, in front of unbelievers, because actually it's a negative sign towards them. It's a sign of judgment towards them. But he says, but if you prophesy, then what will happen is you, you're giving them the opportunity, they'll hear that the secrets of their hearts will be revealed, and they'll fall on their faces and be repentance. If you're just all speaking in tongues, it's a negative sign, it's a sign of judgment, but also they think you've gone mad and walk away. Does everybody follow me with that? Okay, so if you don't, don't worry. All he's saying, just remember, he's saying, don't be using tongues where there's unbelievers present. Okay, it is a negative sign for unbelievers. And what we want, we want to see people, unbelievers, come in, hearing, you know, the, the prophetic words and so on, the hearts being revealed, and they're falling on their faces in awe of God, who would know the secrets of my heart like that. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's quite interesting. Diane's not here today, but we're having a, we're having a chat with the, my mom's next door neighbour, Mary, who some of you have met her recently. And funnily enough, she was asking me about the testimony, and I was sharing my testimony with her. And then suddenly, she started talking about next, some of her experiences, and she says, Oh, she says, I come here, they're speaking in that weird language thing, they're 
was lying to me, she said. Okay, fine, she understood. And I thought, you that, that's exactly what Paul says, isn't it? I think you know, you're all twist, you're all there. I wonder, I wonder what he's saying, and I mean this with respect, but some of the things that go on in some of our churches now, I wonder what Paul would think. He's worried about people thinking you're mad because you're speaking in tongues. But I wonder what he'd say about some of the stuff that goes on today in our church. So, folks, bless the Lord. If there is no interpreter, then the individual must not continue to speak in tongues in public. Of course, that is where believers are present. But we shouldn't be doing it in, in public where there's unbelievers present. At the same time, and this is where we've got to get the balance from. Verse 39, what does he say? Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, but do not forbid to speak with tongues. So he's saying, I'm not throwing the baby out of the bathwater, I'm just giving you some parameters for the use of tongues. And I guarantee you now, the whole point of this, the Holy Spirit's reason for giving these parameters, and the Holy Spirit's reason for giving these instructions and instructing Paul in it, is because of love. Love. How will we edify the church? How is the church edified? Even where it's thinking about unbelievers, the Holy Spirit's desire is for the unbeliever to fall on his face and in conviction and to be transformed, to be, you know, repentance and be converted. Praise God. Wow. Are you more confused than when you came in this morning? <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. And so, what have we seen this morning? First, we've seen that tongues is a language that may manifest as human, but mostly mysterious. It's mostly mysterious for the purpose of speaking to God, the primary purpose of speaking to God. Tongues is that way, primarily. Okay? Prophecy is that way. Then we'll talk about prophecy next week. Secondly, it builds us up individually. So you can be praying in tongues, you might not necessarily have the, the, the interpretation of the tongue, but asking for it. You might be surprised. Okay? So tongues, they will build you up individually. You don't need the interpretation for individual, but you do need to have the interpretation, or someone does, if you use it in the public assembly. Okay? Very important. If not, he said, speak between you and God. Just between you and God. Amen. So it builds the church up when it's interpreted. Finally, it is encouraged, however, within the parameters laid down in Scripture. Okay? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I hope that opens your understanding a little bit more. And I know that these things, they want to generate more questions and answers in Okay, it is a controversial subject within the church. But that, my friends, I believe, that is my understanding of what Paul directs us to do with the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And what we're going to do now is we're going to pray. We're going to pray.
told to exist as well. You may well have heard it spoken amongst your Christian brothers and sisters. Wonder what that's about. Hopefully you understand that this morning. And if you eagerly desire, if you desire it like I did, I said, Lord, I want that. I want it. You know? And then you're seeking after that. I'm going to invite you this morning to come forward. Because we're going to pray for people that they might receive the gift of the gift of tolerance this morning. Okay? The Holy Spirit is instructing us from his word. Well now we need to do it. We need to eagerly desire it. So I'm going to invite you as we worship the Lord. I'm going to invite you to come forward. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be frightened. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. You've read it, you've seen it. There's no reason to believe that it's something for thousands of years ago, but not for today. Okay?